Alrighty. Good afternoon. Good evening. What's going on, Bahad? How you doing? <laughs> good man? evening. Good. Good. How are you? It's been it's been a while. Really excited for this chat. Oh man, I've I've been excited since we uh touched base, or pretty much since you agreed to do this with me, man. I was uh I was prepping all week. I'm sure you saw me kind of lurking on your Instagram. <laughs> yeah. but, you know. I I try I tried doing the same. I tried doing the same. Um, and I think yeah, I think you've had a pretty cool journey too since DePaul, um, with getting married, graduate school um you know your your love of hip-hop and stuff like that it's been cool to see yeah no no thanks I, I really appreciate that yeah my instagram presence is a little bit like interesting you know like i um i just got my instagram back in 2020 actually i just started it back then it's been about it's like my third year having it so i just started it with the intent of like the podcast and then like photography jumped in and then you know it's a good you know, a good little house for like the travel and all that stuff. So I just been using it that way. So it's been kind of fun. It's a cool journey, you know? Awesome. Yeah, man. But, um, you know, I thought, I thought, um, you know, based on our previous conversation, I know we got some really dope topics we'll dive into, but before we start, maybe, um, you know, like as they do in any interview, um, you know, just tell me a little bit about yourself, maybe like a couple of minutes spiel, like the whole elevator pitch thing. You know what I mean? Tell me a little sure. bit about it. Sure. Yeah. Happy to. So my name is Fahad Zaidi. Um, I'm, I come from Pakistan. That's where I grew up, born and raised. Um, my, my family had a bit of an interesting journey. So when I was one years old, we moved to Canada and, you know, immigrated here, the whole family and everything. Um, but at that time, my, my dad, you know, he, he had a lot of responsibility back home. So when I was about four years old, we actually decided to move back to Pakistan. Um, and so that, you know, as a four-year-old, that felt like to me, like I had immigrated to Pakistan from Canada, you know, because for, for all intents and purposes, I was a Canadian living in Pakistan, um, which was a very cool experience, um, you know, as much as I remember. Um, but, but, you know, very, very cool to, to kind of then spend age four to 11 uh, in Pakistan and get a, you know, a deep understanding of our culture and everything and, you know, really good relationships with elders and cousins and stuff like that, which was super awesome. Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, we went, even when I was 11, we then moved back to Canada, you know, for good this time, uh, which again, you know, kind of immigrating again, because, because by now I'd, you know, become so accustomed to one, you know, way of life and one culture and then moving, you know, more than halfway across the world was quite, <clears throat> quite interesting, fun, stressful, um culture shock all that kind of stuff um you know we we moved to calgary which was a fairly you know non-diverse city at the time yep. there was i think two or three people of color in my elementary school wow. maybe like close to 10 in my high school um and yeah. you know a little bit a little bit more in college um yeah i don't know much so, about the um, demographics you know in canada at all so that's very interesting i fit for some reason or other i thought it was more diverse than that it is as a country it is but just our city that we that we landed in at that time was was quite narrow um which is quite interesting um but but you know i think i think those things make you well-rounded as well um so so pretty good um pretty good childhood and everything and then <clears throat> i went to chicago obviously for graduate school yeah. when i was 24 um you know spent spent five years there um then spent two years in england um just before the pandemic and then you know as the pandemic hit kind of made sense to be to be back home and in, in in calgary so that's that's kind of the synopsis of me sure, but nice. uh, <clears throat> but happy to kind of dig into to any cool. chapter that you want to yeah i would i would be interested to hear <laughs> a little bit um you know i would definitely want to hear about your time in chicago because even though that's kind of where we linked up i 
honestly didn't know much about like your personal life and things like that. But um, I'd be interested to hear like, wh- why, why so many moves, you know, um, mm-hmm. not that it's like a good or bad thing, right? It's just kind of like your normal was, you know, every mm-hmm. few years, you know, change location. And um, so maybe why, and then what do you think, what effect do you think that had on you like coming up? Totally. Yeah. That's, that's a really good point. Um, I think for us, like any, like any immigrant family, I think the moves just come from, you know, the parents just having the best intentions at the time and just wanting to do the best they can for their families. So, you know, the, the, the very first move of us, us coming back in the late eighties, you know, just, just a, a nice genuine thing for my dad to do for the whole family to get immigration and come to Canada, this great place um, <clears throat> where we build a future, you know, and then life happens and you know, he has to take care of stuff back home, you know, and, and, even in that regard, you know, it, it was the right thing to move back and, and help out uh, some of our elders, some of our aunts and uncles that way. Um, <clears throat> so that, you know, that stuff was taken care of too. Um, and then again, as, as I was getting older, my siblings were getting older, again, it, it kind of made sense. And it felt like the best thing to do was to, for, for us to be in North America or, or, or somewhere developed uh, to go to school and, and, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, build our careers in that kind of an environment. Um, and, I th- and I think it, it defined me in, in, in a lot of ways. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, as I look back now, I think it was probably more stressful than I realized, you know, not consciously stressful as a kid, but, you know, having to make new friends every five years, seven years, you know, I, I don't really think I have like childhood friends because I've, I've just lived in so many places and they're so far apart. Yeah. Um, you know, and that definitely, you know, a lot of my insecurities, a lot of my, you know, you know, development or personality traits, you know, kind of come from that, um, you know, that I've worked on the last couple of years, but, you know, you know, that, that stuff does, you know, define you in those ways, I think. Um, on the flip side, I think, you know, a, lo- a lot of times my friends say things like, oh, it's so cool you just, that you just went to Chicago one day and lived there for five years. And it's so cool that you just like went to London all of a sudden and like lived there for two years. Totally. And like, it's, and it's so cool that you like came back to Canada on a whim and now you live here and, and everything like that. And I think to me, none of those things sound hard because they're just so ingrained in me that like, you can just yeah. move, you can just go halfway across the world and like do a bunch of awesome shit. Yeah. Figure it out. No, that's, that's such an, like, there's so many good points um, in, in that response there. And it, one, what's really good is that you have done your introspection and understood how these things have affected you. You know, I think people, you know, some people don't do that till late until their lives, right. Until they're retired and they, they start piecing together why they're, you know, the downstream effect on their personalities. Um, and then, you know, going to the, um, uh, the, the latter half or the, maybe the middle portion of what you said about, you know, maintaining lifelong friends and things like that. Like I can imagine it being tough. You know, I myself lived here in you know Chicago my whole life, but I also don't have a lot of longtime friends like from when I was a kid, but that's for other reasons, you know? And I, that was one of my main questions is, you know, sometimes, you know, distance, right. It can make the heart go fronder or whatever that, what that phrase is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just interested to hear, you know, how, how your transgression happened with your friends. But um, so you don't have anyone like from, from the various spots you've lived that you keep in contact with like regularly yeah definitely you know a few people here and there yeah um but no like one group of people that you know we were butt buddies way back when and and it's just that crew the whole way um and that's a really interesting point to dig into i think 
I think what I've learned a lot in my, you know, journey the last couple of years, you know, around mental wellness and everything is, mm-hmm. you know, no matter what it is that feels negative or, or feels like it builds an insecurity or a weakness or, or something that like other people have that you don't, within that same thing, there's a strength that we, that we kind of uncover later um, yeah. um, or, or when we're aware of it and so forth. So like, you know, yeah, I don't have, I don't have, you know, kindergarten friends that I grew up with my whole life and stuff like that. But, you know, I'm, I'm getting married in July and I'm going to have friends from Sweden coming in that I met in Chicago through school. I'm going to have people from Chicago. I'm going to have people from London, nice. people from Pakistan, people from different parts of Canada, different parts of the U.S. Um, and that to me sounds like a way more awesome wedding than just like, the same 10 people over and over again. Dude, completely agree. It's, you know, it's, it's quality, right? Quality over quantity. And sometimes, you know, being, having those childhood friends, I'm not saying I, I even know people like this. It can be a crutch though, right? It's like you always associate with what you know, and then you never put yourself into a uh, like potentially uncomfortable situation where you might learn something, you know, and that's, that's what mm-hmm. a change is about. Like, can you thrive with a group of friends in Chicago and a group of friends in London and in Sweden? You know what I mean? Like that's, mm-hmm. that's you evolving as a person and like, you know, being able to assimilate. And those are all skills that you an adult should have, right. You should be able to mesh and things like that. And, um, you know, and one of the, one of the, uh, the other points that you said about, you know, just picking up and moving, you know, from a personal experience, like I told myself, like, you know, in 2016, when I graduated grad school, like I was like, I'm going to move to Seattle, man. I'm going to do it. You know, I'm going to, because I went and visited a friend there and I fell in love with the place, but it was always like, you know, if I get the job there, I'll move there. If I, mm-hmm. if everything works out and all the stars align, I'll move there. And to me, mm-hmm. that, you know, now I was like, that's never going to happen. Like it's never going to be a perfect moment. You know, like mm-hmm. you just got to go there and know that you're going to sink or swim. And, you know, you have faith in yourself that you're going to swim, you know, that's, a, that's about what it comes to. Totally. And, and I think what you said there, I think it also alludes to the point of what, when you do have that like really strong base, there's really nothing missing. You know, no matter what city it is, no matter what the weather's like, no matter what the economic situation is, no matter, you know, what you're going through, if, if you've just got this sense of belonging and this sense of family, you know, whether it's, you know, biological family or friendships or something yeah. else, when that's there, it's very, very difficult for that person to justify leaving that behind or leaving that, you know, away for six months, a year or whatever to just go do something that's not that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and when think, it's good, sorry. And and when it's not there, it obviously makes it easier. You're like, there's nothing holding you back. But when there's nothing holding holding you back, like at least in my experience, there's a hole that yeah. there's something missing. And you know, for me, this the, the first step was to just try to fill it with all these different experiences. Um, and then when you find out they're not enough, you then start to work on yourself, and then you you find your family, and then it is enough. Completely agree, man. And, and, and another, you know, very, very commendable, like attribute of you is like that search component, right? It's like, you were like, I'm not, I didn't, I don't have it. So I'm gonna go find it. And I'm not gonna mm-hmm. sit and be a bitter person my whole life in my, you know, in my yeah. little like abode here, I'm gonna go out into the world and try to be better. And, you know, going back to like, you know, that little tidbit on Seattle. And I think, you know, you, you'll resonate with me on this was like, I, I ended up doing like a deep dive on the folks around me and the things that I do and my habits and my routine. And I was like, you know, if, if I go over to Seattle, 
if I'm not the person who I want to be, I'm going to run into those same issues over there. Right. I'm going to mm-hmm. say, I'm going to like, you know, one of my, one of my issues prior was I used to like do these little white lies. Right. Cause I grew up having to like lie to my parents about things. And like, mm. it, was, like I, I, it was a habit of mine that I was like kind mm-hmm. of pathological. And then I was like, I'll be pathological over there too. You know? So unless I address my issues, my pop is going to follow me. And I know you have kind of that similar <laughs> vibe too. So I'll pause there. Yeah, totally. That, that's such an interesting point you brought up with, with the white lies. Um, I think, especially for me, like growing up, growing up, you know, when I say grow up, I mean, you know, the chapter where I was 11 and I moved to Calgary with my family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we had our culture at home that we all believed in and we liked, but as an 11 year old and my siblings and other, other people in those shoes, like you also want to fit in with your peer group. Um, so when someone's having Thanksgiving Turkey or something that you've never heard of before, you're like, yeah, yeah, we do that too. And, and, and and it's just, and it's a white lie, but it's, it's there to like, it's there to like try to fit in. Um, but, but by doing so we're less authentic, um, and we kind of move away from ourselves. Um, and, you know, the more authentic we are, you know, the less we need to fit in with other people. Cause if we just fit in with our own idea of who we want to be. You know, that's really all that matters at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, you know, tell me, so I, I see your journey right throughout Instagram that I've been able to follow, like from your mm-hmm. first post back in like 2013 to now, it seems like you, you've been forming your authentic self. Right. And you know, I think you continue to yeah. do so. So if we, if we go to like that Chicago chapter, right. And that mm-hmm. formation from, from then until now, like, I was looking at one of your first Instagram posts. I think you were at like a hound mouth concert. Um, yeah, that's right. Yes. <laughs> and like, so tell me like at, at what point you were in life when you were there, like what, who was Fahad mm. at that point? Awesome. Yeah. That was, I think Chicago, no matter what happens in my life will always be the most memorable chapter. And, and you know, that, that amount of growth that I had there as a person, not just not just education and career and other stuff, but just as a human being, yeah. I think is going to be hard to replicate in any in any other chapter. Um, so back back in 2013, when I was at that Houndmouth concert, I think I was you know very spongy, very open, you know, say yes to everything, very fun, yep. um, you know, wanted to experience everything, every possible thing I could in Chicago. Um, good or bad, you know, rain or shine, you know, every sports game, every concert, every, every party, <laughs> every, every session show, like no matter what was going on, I had to be there. Right. Um, and, you know, just, just a ton of fun, but, but a lot of just like anxious energy, um, you know, insecure energy to kind of, you know, make sure I'm doing the coolest things, make sure I'm doing the, the best things that, that come across as the best things versus really being introspective and working on myself and just being happy. Mm-hmm. um and i think that that whole feeling i think comes from um just just being brought up in that way where um you know i think in our culture there's a ton of pressure uh you know on from you know the time you're in high school sure. to, to, to perform in, in certain areas to a certain degree um which i think is a healthy amount of pressure i think it pushes us to be great and it pushes us to think of you know ambitious things and, and then we accomplish them um but I think where we kind of fall short is um, focusing on that mental health aspect yeah. and, and, and taking care of yourself mentally in healthy ways. 
Um, so I had all this kind of stress and, and built up energy, which, and none of it was bad. None of it was, you know, anything out of the ordinary. My parents want me to go to grad school. My parents want me to find a nice wife. They want me to make a ton of money, buy a house. Like these are all normal things and, and great things. Um, but when they're, when the pressure or the stress of that isn't dealt with in healthy ways, um, or, or taught how to, how to deal with those things in healthy ways, a person just looks for anything that, that can relieve a, a little bit of stress. Yeah. Um, and, and that's kind of where I was in 2013, 2014, 2015, just like this anxious kid that, that wants to do all these things to make his parents proud, but it, but it's stressful. Um, and then you find habits that are not the healthiest to, to cope with them. To cope with them. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree <laughs> with that. And, you know, just to peel back a couple of those layers, you know, you know, about, about the whole thing where your, you know, your parents want you to, right. Go to school and, you know, have a good job and do, and like, you know, cars, a house, wife, all these things. Right. I think those things come from a, a good place, right. From your parents, they want you to like be self-sustaining and they want you to, you know, have a, a, you know, a good experience in life and things like that. Right. But I felt like it was never explained that way. Right. It was never explained mm-hmm. like, hey, like you just need to make a, a certain level of living where you can come up every month and you can you know, go travel and make experiences and have a family. Because if mm-hmm. you go below your expenses every month, it's going to be tough. You know, th- th- no one explains it to you like that. But it becomes this like arbitrary, like like pillar that you have to form in your life. And it's like, I don't even know if I want that, you know, mm-hmm. and then you mm-hmm. get judged by something by a metric that you don't even care about, really. And unless you do, right, unless that's what you want. So and I think what, what it leads you to is not really having like a home, not having a safe zone, you know, because your family, mm-hmm. sh- family should be that safe zone. But then they end up being the ones that are giving you the most scrutiny and putting you under the, 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 the closest watch. And then you, you go to strangers and you go to habits and you go to other people to seek comfort. And that mm-hmm. can be a good thing. I think for us, you know, you and I, it's been good things. And um, but for others, it can lead you down a path that you might not want to embark upon. Definitely. Yeah, I really love, I love what you said about <clears throat> how, how it's presented. You know, at an abstract level, it is what we want because it's what every human wants. Right. Every, every human wants connection, love, affection, uh, security, um, and a sense of family. You know, that's what everybody wants. Right. Um, but a lot of times in our culture, it's presented in a very superficial or very, you know, substance or surface level, material level uh, way, rather than at the core of it and what it means and, and, and why it brings joy and happiness. Um, and, and it's not until you actually feel that joy on your own that you really un- understand, you know, what the point of all that kind of stuff is. Yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> and, and just to, not to derail from the Chicago t- topic for too long, but um, did you grow up with like a certain like standardized test like that you had to pass to get into college or something like that? Um, actually, no. So we, do, we actually don't have, uh, I think it's called the SAT in America and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, the ACTs. Yeah. So um, um, well, the only reason I bring that up, because like, I know you come from a Brown family and I, <laughs> and like, dude, that was such a big debacle in the Brown community amongst like the, 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 the kids of the same age. Like mm-hmm. all the mothers would get together and be like, oh, what did your kid get on the ACT? What did, <laughs> you know, what did your kid get on the ACT? And then they would like lie about it and shit. And I'd be like, yeah, bro, this is not setting anyone up for a good relationship, man. Like this is setting mm-hmm. us up for some like really, really bad, like 
templating for like future engagements. You know what I mean? Definitely, so it's like, definitely. how can you always compete with the folks that you're closest with, you know, in that way where you're trying mm-hmm. to be better than them, you know? So um, mm-hmm. that, I don't know if you experienced that in other ways growing up, but that shaped us, I think, as, as um, young kids, you know? Yeah, totally. Like we don't have ACTs, but we definitely have other stuff that's very comparable. Other, other just like vanity metrics that our parents use <laughs> right, right. <laughs> to like be like, oh, my, my kid's KPIs is over here and your kid's over here. We're better. <laughs> exactly. dude. So I never resonate with any of that stuff, but, um, you know, going forward, we'll, we'll hop back on the, the tracks here. So, so you, so you, 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 you painted me a little bit of a picture of like who you were and where you were at with that anxious energy when you came to DePaul. Right. And dude, kudos to you. Right. I've never been to as many sports games in here, Chicago, as you have, right. You've been to every single sport. I have not. So, um, <laughs> but so I, I saw you got your, your masters of science. That's right. Yeah. Masters of science in project management, masters of science in project management. So, so tell me a little bit more about what that specifically entails and why, why that was a thing for you. I think so to be completely candid, 80% of it was wanting to move to a big city. Okay. Um, like San Francisco, Chicago, New York, Toronto, London, Vancouver, that, that was, that was the primary, you know, thing I was looking for, not necessarily some passion I have for project management or anything like that. (laughs) Um, uh, You know, growing up in a fairly, you know, modest household um, and not leaving home for undergrad, I felt like I missed, I was missing something. Um, And I wasn't, I was just, I was, I was unfulfilled and I wasn't, I wasn't doing anything um, that required discipline or it gave me like a sense of purpose. Um, and so I attached my ego to the fact that, oh, it's cause my family's like modest and I live at home and I didn't get to like go party in dorm rooms. That's why I'm unfulfilled. Right. That, that's just, that's just kind of where my brain went. Um, and I was like, you know, what, what can I do to like get that experience while still, you know, <clears throat> continuing, continuing the journey of, uh, furthering my education, furthering my career. And so that's kind of how I landed on DePaul like DePaul, the, the campus is downtown. Right. Um, um, you know, it's a huge international student community. Um, so that, that's kind of the, the impetus of, of, of making that move. More, more, so the, more so that personal, like, let's get out there and like fill this hole with something versus some passion for project management. No, no, I completely feel you. And that's, that's really interesting to hear because, you know, um, like, you know, from the way you speak and the kind of way you present yourself, you seem like a guy who's like very interested in like, you know, the, uh, the, the technical side of things, you know? Um, and I view my degrees the same way I view your, you view your degrees, right? It's just something that we kind of jumped into and didn't really know, understand, um, latched onto it. And like, I'm not going to like fail in this endeavor, right? I'm going to get, I'm going to get it done. So, um, I don't, I personally don't use any of my accounting and finance degree (laughs) in my current role. Um, I don't know if that's the same case for you though. I use one course in my, from my like entire two degree two degree and certificate resume yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's, it's 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 a data programming language that okay. i just really like and i just got very lucky that that has turned into like a, a hot commodity and like a hot area to get jobs in. Okay. Um, you know more so to do with that than to me i'm just a guy that knows how to program i hear you man i hear you <laughs> um and then so what what was your first like big boy job coming out of like depaul or while you were going there 
Yeah, so I, my, my first job was in management consulting. Okay. So I was a Oracle implementation specialist. Nice. You know, with my, with my zero years of experience, <laughs> they, they made me a, you know, the, a specialist for the largest database company to ever exist there in go. the world. <laughs> um, but again, super fun. Like I, I was getting on a plane every Monday to go to Manhattan yep. um, for my first project. My second project was in Boston third project was in providence um i got to go to san francisco a few times for work nice. um so super 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 fun but again it was i was just chasing you know uh, you know i was chasing like you know what do the coolest people do what do the smartest people do they work in consulting and they get on planes and they build powerpoints and i'll i'll, I'll be that guy i'll be right. that guy that yeah. that does that um they sell I, you I that still... life man they really do sell you that life definitely and i and i definitely you know, drank the Kool-Aid and it was again, super fun experience, but, but nothing, you know, nothing as fulfilling as, as, you know, as it should be. Um, and so to, to kind of continue on that a year and a half later, switch jobs. Cause I was like, you know, this, yeah, I was, you know, I was unfulfilled in Calgary. I'm in Chicago. I'm still unfulfilled. Let's get this consulting job. That's still unfulfilling. Maybe it's money. Maybe, maybe I need to make more money. Maybe yep. I need to be in a nicer apartment. Mm -hmm. Maybe I need to live in Streeterville and not South Loop. Like maybe yep. that's, maybe that'll get me to, to, to feel good. Um, and so I did that a couple of times where I would just, you know, um, <clears throat> kind of job hop for, for the biggest paycheck. Um, and, and again, my ego just attached money to the thing that was missing when in fact it wasn't that at all. And, and it wasn't my family and it wasn't my brain. It was, um, there was just no discipline and no sense of purpose. And, and, and so I, I would just hop from one thing to the next it, with the hopes of finding it, um, with the hopes of finding something fulfilling and it never happened. No, that's, it's, you know, a lot of what you're saying is very, very like, it's like woke shit. You know what I'm saying? It's like a lot of, <laughs> yeah, like for, for lack of a better phrase, um, like, you know, I don't know if you ever read the monk who sold his Ferrari um by no. robin sharma it's a very intro level book to like you know opening your eyes about life and whatnot and like the main character um is this guy who used to, who used to work for this like corporate tycoon you know and this 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 he was a big lawyer and what he would do is he would like they were describing his his persona right he was like this big overweight like husky like elderly hunched over looking guy right and he would justify the purchases and the eating and the bad habits and the Ferraris and the houses because he was working so much. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's this snowball effect. And that, that's mm -hmm. the reason why I say that is because, you know, even when I was working in consulting, right, it's a snowball effect. You start living the happy hour life. You start, you know, having an excuse to drink maybe earlier than you ever used to drink on a day. Right. And, or do it more mm -hmm. often or, you know, whatever the vices, right. Whatever the, mm -hmm. the ego, um, like component stimuli that you attach yourself to that becomes bigger and bigger and bigger until you one day have to just like stop yourself, man. You're like, I can't go any farther. Otherwise my life is going to go down a path mm -hmm. that I, I can't, I can't go down. Mm -hmm. And it's such a, it's such a momentum thing too. Like if you, if, if you start off in consulting and you're working long hours and, and you build those bad habits, they build, they, the momentum of bad habits just leads to more bad habits and more unhealthy behavior, whether it's, whether it's, you know, lack of friendships, lack of attention to your family, lack of social interaction, lack of care for your health. Um, it just builds on that. And on the flip side, I mean, it, it's not consulting. It's not working because I still work. I, I, I still do similar work and uh, it, it's a, it's the complete opposite momentum. 
Um, you know, it's it's 5 a.m. workouts. It's drinking three liters, liters of water, prioritizing sleep, prioritizing family. Like it's, it's the same life. It's just a, a different snowball effect. Yeah, yeah. Where you thought where you thought you might not have the control, right? You might not have like that locus of control over the stimuli and the people in your life and the expectations put on you. It's like as soon as you engage a little bit further, like you said, with discipline um, and you start feeling that euphoria of life in the good momentum that that can give you everything you need. And it's all intangible. You know what I'm saying? Like you said, the things you described, you know, family, that's an intangible, right? Mindset, that's intangible. Once you put those pillars in your life, I, I just feel like everything comes into place. But maybe for guys like you and I, we have to, we have to learn through experience, right? Some yeah. people just get yeah. it, man. <clears throat> I'm not one of those people. <laughs> totally, totally. Um, and I think, I think now, you know, being, being a lot more mindful, um, um, and just internally happy and yeah. internally fulfilled. I think a lot of that fulfillment does come from feeling content. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've lived the big life in Chicago. I've lived in Europe. These are my dreams and I've done them. Yeah. Um, and so, th so there's no anxious energy left um, because it's been, it, it's been deployed where it should be deployed in your youth. You're when you're kind of an idiot doing dumb things. Like that's when you should be an idiot um, versus, you know, the opposite, which is you never do anything. And then maybe when you're 50, you feel like you missed out yeah. um, and so forth. So again, it, it goes back to that point of, um, you know, everything having, you know, no matter what bad thing, you know, you've gone through or I've gone through, um, whether it's experience or whether it's, you know, my own control that that was out of whack, there, there's always a strength in there too. Um, and there's always something positive in there too. And I think for me, it's like, you know, I, I wasn't the best at being introspective and taking care of myself for, you know, the better part of a decade, but because I did that, it's like out of my system. Yep. Um, and there's, you know, I'm not looking back, uh, resentfully or regretfully. And like you said, like I did, I did literally everything I could do in Chicago to, to enjoy it. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, ra rather than like hold back. Um, and I think looking back, like, had I known going in that I would only live there for five years, I would have tried to do more. Sure. I would have tried, I would have tried to like go to every monument in the U S um, take road trips to random cities um, and so forth. Um, and then same thing in England. Like I, I lived there for two years, which, which I didn't know was going to be two years when I went there. Mm -hmm. um, had I known it was only going to be two years, maybe I would have worked a little bit less. Maybe I would have traveled a bit more. Maybe I would have, gone to one more cafe or two more cafes a week to like really to really appreciate it um and i and i try to bring that energy now into this you know uh chapter of life you know whatever this chapter is you know i i try not to hold back or to look too far in the future of like you know next month we'll do that next year we'll do that um right. you know we'll, we'll do what we want to do now um because that's all we have yeah. Yeah. No. And like, that is, that's such some, that's some like Anthony Bourdain stuff, man, like really, really good stuff there. And no, I, I really resonate and I'm, I'm really happy we're chatting about it because that's, it's, it's something that not, not too many people you encounter understand, you know, it's like, Hey, yes, we're all like on this, you know, whatever Robin hood fidelity stock thing to like, you know, mm -hmm. we got to do it. Cause we got to like, we have to have money when we retire or what if something major happens and it's like, all right, I get it, right? But right now we have our youth, right? These are the best years, so so they say, right? And if you're if you're spry, if you're up and at it, if you're mm -hmm. meeting new people, you know, taking a few like calculated risks here and there, and having mm -hmm. those good conversations, making those connections, 
if I'm being honest, that's all I remember, like of, of good from the past 10 years. Right. I remember the good conversations, the traveling, the, the euphoria I got from going to Scotland and Ireland and, you know, to Hong Kong, like those types of things, making memories of people. I'll, I don't forget that stuff, but you know, the, the, maybe the car I had, or, you know, that nice, you know, pair of shoes I was able to afford after I got my first paycheck, whatever. Right. I don't even remember mm-hmm. that stuff anymore. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. Definitely. But um, no, so, so, I, I'm resonating with the whole, like we, the time is now. Right. So then, mm-hmm. um, you know, as we, as we come, so, so as we like, let's run with that idea and let it, let's let it come to fruition here. So you were in Chicago for five years from 2013 to 2018. Right. And it seems like you had your awakening in London. Right. So, so as, as we're coming to the end of your time in Chicago, what is going through your mind? What is happening? What's in your decision-making process that's taking you over to London and why, why leave Chicago? Yeah, I think, I think just a continuation of that anxious energy, the insecurity, mm-hmm. the, the, the lack of fulfillment, you know, go, I, again, it was like, well, maybe it's Chicago. That's just not big enough. And that's why I'm not fulfilled. Maybe I got to go to New York. Maybe I have to go to San Francisco. Maybe I got to go to Europe. Um, and that was kind of in my head. I'm like, you know, Chicago is a great tier two city, but I, I got to be in New York. I got to be in San Francisco where the tech market is. I got to be in Manhattan. I got to be in Europe where it's different cultures and different that. Um, when in reality, Chicago is one of the best cities in the world. It's like I said, it's it's like my most memorable you know experience of life. Um, it has every, it has everything a human being could want in a city, good and bad. Like yeah. it, it can literally be anything you want it to be. Um, but again, just going back to my instinct of like, I'm not fulfilled. I'm not happy. I'm not like, there's no purpose. So it must be the city. It must be the job. It must be the environment. Um, and I got to change that and, and that'll fix it. Um, yeah. So, so really quickly on that, just to go a little bit deeper, what was your, like, what were the routine aspects of you? Like, what were you, so like, for example, were you doing any kind of like, like, like reading exercise, introspection, meditation, was any of that stuff part of your routine at that time? No, not at all. Um, a little bit of exercise, like just to keep up with the fact that it was cool, yeah, like, yeah. like doing it very unconsciously. So I would go for bike rides along the lake because right. it's cool. Cause I get to take a picture with my bike. And I saw a lot cool. of pictures on your Instagram. dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I would, you know, I would kind of sign up for five Ks and stuff like that. Cause that's what people do that are consultants and they're affluent and that's the kind of life they live. So let me just play that part. Um, so I, 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 and I enjoyed it and I liked it, but I, I wasn't consciously doing it to improve myself. I was, I was just kind of doing it randomly. Uh-huh. Um, and there was definitely no um, focus on, meditation, wellness, uh, mental health, um, being present, being clear or anything like that. It was just, you know, my, the the routine was wake up, work, eat, um, sleep, and then repeat. Um, and then, and try, try to associate yourself with the coolest things or the funnest things or the most expensive things or the most expensive areas that, that you'll be seen in by other people that, you know, only exist in your head Um, that don't, that that don't give a shit what you're doing anyway. Um, and like that, that whole perception part of it, a very like non-present living. Okay. And then, so you, so yeah, no, I totally get you. And it's like, before before like i used to go to the gym like back in the day like once i stopped playing sports and everything like that and all i would do is like go on the treadmill for like 
like 30 minutes, you know, like every day and like maybe do a few bogus bicep curls, you know, and you realize, you know, like you said, that's kind of an unconscious way to work out, right? Like, are you, are you aware of the muscle groups that you're working? Right. Mm-hmm. Are you feeling yourself appropriately? Right. I did had no mm-hmm. idea about like any type of diet split. Um, I didn't know that like carbs are good for you in moderation or they're good carbs and bad carbs, like good fats and bad fats. I knew none of that. All I was just doing was throwing shit into my body and hoping yeah. that it was giving me energy. And then you would not see the, 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 the strides you would make because you're at the, you're like, oh, I'm at the gym at the gym. Right. And then mm-hmm. you're like, oh, but you know, my body's not following suit. And you're just like, oh, I, you know, I just can't lose weight. That's just, it's just my body type. Right. But like yeah. in reality, right. We're just unconsciously living for a little bit until we like hone in. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's so true. And like on that point, I've, I've had a bit of a weight loss journey the past four years or so. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I lost 50 pounds in three years. Um, and I lost, I actually lost probably 40 pounds in six months. Okay. Um, and the rest was just this kind of random energy of like, let me try this. Let me try that. Let me do cardio. Let me do CrossFit. Let me lift. Let me do a little bit of both. Let me cut carbs. Let me go carb heavy. Let me do, and just, just random, you know, whatever. And then as soon as I had my stride and I kind of understood what works for me, it took no time to see results. And, and it wasn't even about the results because it was about my brain. It was about just, just, you know, going doing something that requires discipline um, that made me proud of myself, which for me was eating healthier and exercising. It can be anything for anybody. For me, it was those things. And because I started to do those things, I started to feel proud of myself because they required discipline. And because I feel proud of myself, I want to just do it every day. Um, And and because I'm just sticking to it every day, the results just, you know, they go up exponentially versus linearly. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, (laughs) You know, before I, w- I would love to get to the, the London aspect of things, but to your point on, on fitness, right? So it, is it, is it tough for you? And, and cause it is for me, is it tough for you to remain detached from the results of your workouts or is it some, you know, do you know what I'm trying to say? Like I is cause like, I'm still trying to find the balance of working out because it's like good for me in the long term, Right. That's probably maybe 40 to 50% of it, but maybe another 50% might be like a vanity component. Cause like, you know, I want to look <laughs> good. I want to be swole and shit. You know what I mean? So like yeah. that comes into play, but I find myself with anything that I, I do for a long term, right. Podcasting, reading, you know, whatever my traveling, it's like, I have to be detached from the actual like result of it and just kind of like understand that this is good for me, you know? And that's a practice I try to learn from philosophy and a lot of Buddhist teachings and whatnot. But I don't know if, if you, if you think about that type of stuff, you know? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And it's still hard and it's, it's a bit of a seesaw. Yeah. Um, and for me, what works for me is if I, if I do an exercise and if my effort level is as high as it can be, for a sustained period of time, like running full speed or doing cardio full speed or some, some kind of hit workout mm-hmm. for, you know, 20 to 40 minutes, something just unlocks in my brain where I don't care about anything after yes. that. Okay. Um, and if I can get to that switch and I call it the other side, nice. at that point, nothing matters. When I'm on the other side, it nothing matters. It doesn't matter what I look like, what I sound like, if I shaved today, if I didn't, yeah. uh, what I'm wearing. Um, the vanity aspects just all kind of goes away because I think there's a bit of a high of serotonin, oxytocin, 
uh, endorphins, like all, all that kind of stuff. And I'm not going to get the technical stuff right, <laughs> but I think it's, I, th- I think it's in that realm of brain chemicals that start firing. Yeah. Um, and so for me, the workouts now are just, uh, I got to get there and I got to just work hard enough to where those are firing. And, um, yeah. And, and that's it. No, I, I, I completely agree. And, you know, when, you know, a couple of my buddies have gone through a weight loss journey, similar to yourself over the past couple of years, and I've been fortunate enough to like, you know, be in it with them and help them along with it and, you know, get like, teach them what I know, not that I'm an expert. Right. But, you know, mm-hmm. I've been working out for a long time. So I try to, you know, bounce ideas off each other and I learn from them too. So what, what I'm finding is with a lot of folks in their weight loss journey is when, that initial, like I say, like 25 pounds, but when you get that weight loss going, that initial, if you have the weight to lose, right. That, that weight loss journey is going to come at you fast. The momentum is going to pick up once you start doing a little few things, right. Because you go from complete shit to like kind of tightening up and you're going to see some rapid weight loss. But once you plateau, then it's not only a physical, like seesaw that you start investing with. It's a mental one. You're like, okay, I've hit like my goal, I've lost like, let's say 25 pounds. That was my goal. But now what's next? Because now the weight loss isn't going to come as rapidly because my body fats down or the gains aren't going to come as quickly unless I eat more now. So I have to change it. You know what I'm saying? So it becomes like this, like living, breathing thing. And I'm always interested to hear how you keep momentum. How are you finding that momentum? So for me, what really worked well for me is um, around 2018 or so kind of where I was at the end of my like, you know, years of, of living, you know, this life of just um, superficialness uh, and, and everything material, nothing yeah. fulfilling and no purpose. Um, I came across a guy named Simon Sinek, which I think a lot of yeah. people have heard of. Yep. Um, and I listened to one of his talks, which was like 45 minutes um, in a theater in London. And he talked about um, infinite goals and finite goals. Um, and that like, it, it sounds very cliche, but it changed my life, like in a lot of ways, <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. um, because, you know, you know, li- like how I said about, you know, it took me three and a half years to lose 10 pounds and it took me six months to lose 40 pounds. And, yeah. it's, and it's, be- and it's because of that approach where, you know, a lot of people set finite goals before they set infinite goals. Um, you know, a finite goal is something that has an end. Um, And so what happens is you set a finite goal of, I want to lose 10 pounds by my wedding, or I want to lose 25 pounds, you know, uh, before my friend's bachelor party or something like that, or for, or before the summer. And what happens is when you get close to the goal or you reach the goal, you stop and you start to go back to the starting point. You know, once you, you know, if the goal is 10 pounds and you get there, you know, you're not, you're going to stop. Like if you're Usain Bolt or, you know, and you're running a race, you're not going to, st- you're not going to keep running, you know, after you've won the gold medal, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. and if you're, if you're, um, if you're playing football, if it's been 60 minutes, you're going to stop playing. Cause that exactly. was the finite, it was a finite set of rules and the finite setting that you were playing in. Um, an infinite goal is something that just doesn't have an end. Um, and so the infinite goal for me became, I want to exercise four times a week. And it's some weeks I'm going to be in the win column. Some weeks I'm going to be in the loss column, but the game itself is never over. I can, I could lose 20 weeks in a row, you know, but there's a reason for me to try to win the next week. Um, um, And then it, it, it just creates a healthy like friction in your brain where, um, you know, if I lose two, three weeks in a row, I'm not going to like that. And I'm going to try to win the next week. 
Um, and if I've been winning for six or seven weeks and I don't, you know, win the following week, I'm not going to be as critical of myself because I can see the, you know, the full picture. Um, you know, six of seven is better than O of seven or, or something like that. Completely and I think, agree, man. And I think in business, even, you know, this is, this is pretty prevalent with companies like Apple. Um, you know, a- Apple wants to make um, the best phones for people like us. They want to make the best uh, devices for artists to create. They want to make the best technology for technical people to create their products. Um, You know, they're not chasing anybody else. They're just trying to be better this year versus last year. And that's it. Um, A a bunch of companies will come in and they will try to like, try to beat Apple on their way and and fail because Apple's like, yeah, you know, you can try to make a better laptop and maybe you you are making a better laptop, but we're just going to continue trying to be better compared to ourselves and that's it right and that's and that's a never-ending journey and they will win in the long term um and when i when i applied that to myself and my uh physical health you know i started to see just you know in, insane results yeah no no i that i've i can really appreciate that business case example with apple because the, I, my mind didn't really even go there i would never apply that principle to like a business case you know but it's so true right like i have all apple products you know and yes you know your 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 android user will come at you reckless with some shit as to why it's not good right but you know people come back to it for various reasons right because it's its own brand of computer or its own brand it doesn't it's not even apples to apples with microsoft you know i mean totally different mm-hmm. um and for better or for worse um and then you know to you know and, and going off your point about you know just the infinite goals right you i'm sure you've experienced a lot of folks um you going to the gym and you and your fitness journey who are like I want to go hard seven days a week for, and then for six weeks, maybe. Right. And we're like, Mm -hmm. yes, you know, do it. I commend anyone who's going to get, get into the gym and just push it around. You know what I mean? Just, you know, burn some calories. And then, you know, six weeks comes and that weight loss has happened a little bit. And, you know, it might even be quicker results than you've seen or I've seen in six weeks. Right. But there's a difference, right? Someone, in my experience, will taper off after those six weeks once it gets once the the novelty of working out mm-hmm. weighs off, right? But it's like for you and I, it's like yo, I'm gonna be here, you know, I will continue yeah. to be here forever. So like I like I said, I can commend new efforts, I can commend that. But you almost are like, dude, focus that energy up, right? Don't just mm-hmm. like let it spew out in this like way, like control it and funnel it over a long period of time because that's yeah. longevity, you know. Yeah, I think I think motivation is needed to kickstart something. Yeah, but then but then but then you need discipline and self worth, feeling proud of yourself to keep it going long term. You need discipline to turn into a habit versus just motivation. Um, And then you need, I think you need to experience that other side feeling of like you go to the gym, you go to the gym and you don't even remember what you did, but you just feel awesome. Yeah. Um, And now you know, no matter what's going on in life, you can just spend 30 minutes 45 minutes hour and 15 minutes and feel as good as you've ever felt yeah um and when that person feels that it all kind of clicks um and then they start to transition over to a a more lifelong journey versus just you know a a short-term um motivation field journey 100 percent. and you know as we pull up a little bit um i think you know kind of the meat and potatoes of i think lessons learned that we're going to take from this is um your time in in london 
Cause it seems like you had your like awakening there. It seems like you met a few good individuals and something clicked for you. So that's, that's pretty, that's pretty much what I'm most interested to hear about is like, how, how did you get blindsided, you know, yeah. in London? <laughs> and, you know what I mean? Cause it seems like that's what happened, right? It just seems like something came out of the blue, rocked you and you were like shaken up and focused, Fahad, you know? Yeah. I think, I think it's a combination of two things. Um, you know, I, I don't describe myself as the most religious person, sure. but but my experiences in England and then since have have definitely made me believe in higher power, yeah. um, and, and someone or something or some being that that has just their ways of helping, um, or or showing you not not helping it all the way, but showing you little doors you can open that can significantly improve your life if you're aware enough to walk through them. And is it, is it specific to a, a faith or is it just high level? I think just high level. For okay, me. perfect. Um, um, and the second one is, um, you know, I, I was in Calgary kind of unfulfilled, um, blamed Calgary, blamed that it was cold, blamed that it was, that it was yeah. boring, you know, and anything but myself. You know, it's, it's, it's some, it's something else. It's not me. It's something else that's unfulfilling. So I need to just change that. And then I'll be awesome. Um, I went to Chicago, same thing, you know, five years there having this amazing life, but just, it, it felt unfulfilled. So I was like, you know what? It's not, you know, maybe it's North America. Maybe I belong in Europe. Maybe I belong in a bigger city and, and, a, and even a more materialistic and more superficial life, which is like the worst thing you could do. Right. Um, but that's where my brain was. And when I got to England, and I still wasn't fulfilled. There's nowhere else I could have gone. Um, you know, you know, the running was kind of done. I was like, I've, I've just been running away from myself for so long. I just can't do it anymore. Like, it's not, it's not Calgary. It's not Chicago. It's not London. It's me. It's just that there's something going on with me. That's just not there. Um, and I started to really struggle with that, you know, realization. Because it's, it's quite difficult to look in the mirror and be like, the problem isn't anything else external that's going on. It's just it's something internal. It isn't quite right. Um, and at the time, I was working for a guy named Daniel, uh, Daniel Slow. Um, and he, he kind of noticed this about me somehow. And I think this has to do with higher power. Uh, he kind of he picked up on the fact that I was struggling mentally with something. And he kind of pulled me aside and he told me his story um, about kind of growing up very affluent, growing up very, you know, a certain type of culture, a certain, certain kind of upbringing, a lot of pressure uh, as a kid, you know, for him to go to Oxford to do this, to do that, to work at some big consulting firm. So, so his parents could be proud of him and everything like that. Yep. Um, but, whole, you know, throughout this whole thing, he was quite depressed. Um, even though he had this amazing life and it wasn't until he, you know, went on this path of, um, you know, mental recovery or, or mental wellness that, that he became, you know, the happiest he's ever been. Um, and, and hearing that from someone, you know, similar to my age that had gone through something very similar to me, not apples to apples, cause it's different cultures and different, you know, ways of thinking and whatnot. Um, but at an abstract level, very similar, uh, coming from someone you know, similar in that sense, and coming from someone that I worked for. So, so this wasn't like some motivational figure on the TV or in a book that like, I've never met, and they have a completely different life than me, and we have nothing in common. This was a human being that I saw every day um, for a couple of years, and I looked up to them, you know, and I was like, you know what, if, uh, if he's gone through what I've gone through, if I just emulate some of the things he does, if I just listen to him to start, 
you know, maybe I can be this guy that owns a business and he's awesome and he's hiring people like me and he has a beautiful wife and, and this awesome life. And just, just a person that seems genuinely happy living uh, and not happy because of material things, but just happy because uh, there's something inside of them that is fulfilling. Um, so that, that was a huge turning point for me. Um, and I think, you know, at the same time, like, you know, like I said earlier about everything having a positive and negative, like, you know, like I, I look back and I did all these things and chased all these experience, you know, for material reasons, but had I not done them, I wouldn't have met Dan and exactly. I wouldn't have, you know, you know, I wouldn't have, you know, be who I am today. Um, so there was some good, you know, in all of this, um, that started with that. Um, and I don't think I could have done the mental work after that on myself if I was still home or if I was still in Chicago. Cause I think, you know, being separated from my core, you know, physically, like, like being on a different continent yeah. and just for a year, being able to focus on myself mentally, uh, and exercise and have gratitude journals and read literature about psychology and, and, and just understand myself a bit more was, um, you know, super, super, super important. Um, I remember, I remember, you know, a year after <clears throat> Dan kind of pulled me aside and said, Hey, you know, what's going on? Um, you know, let's work on this. Let's get you, you know, let's get you, you know, uh, some help, you know, with, uh, with a professional that can kind of help you kind of guide you through this mental work that you need to do and so forth. Um, focusing on exercise, focusing on work and just, and just kind of bringing life down to basics, you know, getting enough sleep, getting enough water, getting enough love, uh, and time with family, yep. uh, with, with, you know, meaningful friendships, meaningful work in your career. So you're fulfilled. Um, and, and let's kind of build back the blocks um, of this person. And I remember, you know, exactly a year after I started to do this, I remember walking home uh, to the same apartment I had when I moved there. And for the first time in my life, I remember kind of just pausing and being like, over the last year, nothing material has changed about me. I have the same job. I wear the same clothes. I have the same, you know, day-to-day, -day, you know, surface level material life. Um, I live in the same house. I, live, I have the same room, same furniture, same everything. But because I've been working on myself internally, the whole world seems different. Yeah. Um, just because I'm happier, um, you know, from the inside. Um, and that's when it really switched for me to, to focus on having, having simple things that are, that come from within. Um, and for me, it's mostly discipline, you know, and I think anything that requires discipline, um, allows a person to be proud of themselves. Yes. And when a person is proud of themselves, nothing else really matters. It doesn't really matter if somebody disagrees with you on something. It doesn't matter what the weather is like. It doesn't matter what is happening in politics. It doesn't, unless it physically affects you, like, unless, unless, like, unless your house is on fire, nothing, <laughs> no, nothing really matters. And it's, and everything kind of just, you know, flows off of me. Um, you know, I, that's where I started to feel like I was transforming from a sponge that I was in 2013 to a rock. Nice. Where, where a sponge is something where no matter what you throw at it, it sticks. Um, so no matter what somebody says, no matter what the weather is, no matter what is happening externally, it, it's, it sticks to me. And then I have to react to it. Right. Whereas when I'm a rock, things hit me and they bounce off. And I keep going, you know, I keep going and I keep doing whatever I want to do versus being, uh, you know, pulled into other things that I don't want to do, but I feel like I have to do them because I'm anxious and unfulfilled.
very, very cool mm-hmm. stuff, man. No, and I'm very, I'm so happy for you, man. Like, it seems like you have such a, like you have had such an awakening, you know, and I think, you know, it's, I, I don't even have words for it, man. I'm just really happy for you. You seem to have found everything that you wanted. And, you know, it seems like the future is just bright, you know, and, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm happy you took that lens and put it on yourself, you know, and I'm, I'm happy. No, like major event had to happen to get you there either. Right. Some people, yeah. it's like a, a heart attack or, you know, something mm-hmm. like that accident, whatever it might be cancer that gets them there. And I'm really happy that you didn't um, have that type of experience. And, and one other thing, what, what did, the the have being the the ability to say no what role Mm -hmm. did that play in your growth um yeah i think i and i can add more context if you need me to because like i like you know one it's really tough to say no to an indian parent right (laughs) in the vocabulary and then two like you were saying because like you from your transformation from a sponge to a rock things have just started to bounce off of you and you just know Mm -hmm. to go your own way and not get pulled right so to Mm -hmm. me part of that is learning how to set your boundaries and say no to folks when you're feeling like something is not in fahad's repertoire yeah i think i think it taught me a lot about control um, and just understanding how much of my life is really in my control. Yeah. Um, and, and obviously all of it isn't. There's stuff we can't control, um, but there's obviously stuff we can. Um, and if we control some of the core things about us that you know make us human, like focusing on love, affection, family, security, health, wellness, getting enough sleep, getting enough water, um, stuff like that. Um, after that, everything else is gravy. Nice. So, so, so with that really strong base, um, I'm not really saying no, because I'm not missing anything. Right. You know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm fulfilled. So if, if, if something does happen on top of that, it's not going to derail me. Um, so if <clears throat> with, with the strong base, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not a monk. I still like things that are fancy and fun. And, and I like to have these, you know, cool experiences that yeah. I've worked for. Um, but they don't consume me. Whereas before I feel like they did, I, I felt like I, I was getting consumed as much as I was consuming yeah. um, versus now I'm just the one that's consuming on top of a strong base of a person. Um, cool. And, and yeah, it's, it's especially with COVID, I think. So back in 2020, um, I'd been in England for two years. I came to Calgary then just to renew my visa and in march of 2020 and a week later the world ended nice. um <laughs> what are the and and i remember feeling fine because at home i could still exercise i was still doing the work that i like i felt actually a little bit happier because i was just kind of this new person uh, or not a new person but i was a, a cleaner version of myself a more truer version of myself and i was with my family so that fulfillment was now there so it's like I have the discipline, I have this like sense of who I am combined with now being in the same room as my parents on a, on a more regular basis or my brother or my sister on a more regular basis. Um, so I actually felt better when things were locked down and, and we couldn't do anything. And that's when I really started to see the power of this, um, you know, way of thinking and way of living yeah. is literally the world can end. But <clears throat> because I've defined, you know, a few things for myself that I do every day that are very, very simple gratitude journal exercise nice. um 
a little bit of time just like thinking about your life and planning, um, making sure there's enough time for family, make sure there's enough time for the significant other um, uh, and just cutting out the, the mental junk food. Um, I can live anywhere. I can live in Calgary in the in my childhood room, which I'm in right now. I could live in London, which I did, and I was super happy there. I I feel like I could live on Mars if I had to. Um, yeah, totally. If I could ju- if I could just do what I what I need to do to be happy. Um, and on the flip side, like uh, and like you said, the future seems bright, and it does seem really bright. I met the love of my life here. I'm getting married, and all these things, but. Uh, and I have, you know, a lot more financial security, my, my family's here, but <clears throat> if I don't take care of myself tomorrow or the day after, uh, or the day after, um, if I lose that disciplined, you know, part of me, um, I won't appreciate how good this life is. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's a never ending thing. It's, it's this infinite quest of, um, of self-improvement. Uh, and it really is infinite. Like it, it, st- it started with just, you know, being a little heavy and, and trying to lose a little bit of weight. Yeah. And it's, and it's now like, I, it's now just so far removed from that. It's, it's just about, you know, feeling clear headed and just making sure I'm, I'm accountable for myself uh, and my emotions and how I react to things. Nice man. And no, like I think that a big thing, what you're saying is, you know, when life, life goes back to the basics, when, you know, you're, you're, you have clarity of mind, right. You're thankful for just being able to breathe the air that you're breathing, you know? Um, but, uh, going back to my earlier comment about like saying no, putting guardrails, right. It's like, I think, so, so it's a lot of what I do is try to balance like self-denial versus like indulging, but controlling yourself. You know what I mean? So, like I, I a hundred percent like try to control the type of information and stimuli I take in. I try to, right. So like, I don't really watch like the news. I try to stay up on current events and everything like that. So I know what's going on in the world, but I, I realize that news makes me negative, like the common narrative news. So then the, the, really the only information I'll take in throughout the day is like from the books that I read. Right. And I'll, that's my, that's my knowledge for the day. Or if my, my Instagram feed is full of nature and fitness pages and, you know, like travel vlogs and cooking recipes. So I try not to have too much vanity in my, in, in my social media, you know, or, you know, with, with some of my, my friendships, right. Historically in college, right. We were going out, we were drinking, we were doing our thing. Now, I try to limit that, right? Hey, let's go grab coffee. You know, hey, let's sit down and have a chat, you know, in the afternoon. And so I try to control my environment to put myself in successful situations. Every time, every now and then I slip, man. Like, you know what I mean? Every now and then mm-hmm. I'll be with one of my friends I haven't seen in a long time. It'll be 10 in the morning. They're like, hey, you want to crack open this or you want to roll this up? And I'll be like, yep, let's do it, you know? But that's what I try to do a lot of the times is put myself mm-hmm. in successful situations. So then I'll perform. And then when I get into a potentially, you know, um, awkward situation or a risky situation, I know how to handle myself. Right. Mm -hmm. I just go back to like, go back to your safe zone. How'd you figure yourself out there? Apply it here. You know? So that's like kind of my reasoning for saying, using the phrase saying no, because that's kind of like just what I do. I'll be like, no, I don't want to consume that. I don't want to consume that, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it, um, I think the longer we spend in this mode, um, the more clarity we get around, you know, good and bad and, and just the narrative we tell ourselves in our head. So for me, for the longest time, and especially to start my journey, 
uh, of wellness, emotional wellness, physical, mental wellness, and all that kind of stuff was a lot of it was, I shouldn't do this because it's bad for me. Yeah. So I shouldn't have this burger because it's bad for me. I want it because I, I, I remember the short-term, you know, good feeling, but I know at some level it's bad for me. So I should try to not do it. Yeah. Yeah. Versus now, which is, you know, the last 10 days I've been eating very clean. I haven't had, you know, sugar or anything processed and I feel great. I wake up and I feel awesome. Yeah. And, and now it's like, well, why on earth would I ruin this? Like, I feel so good right now. I'm going to feel, and I know I'm going to feel good in the morning if I don't, you know, pop open a, a can of, you know, Diet Coke or a bag of chips or order some pizza or something. Like if I like, I feel great. So why would I like throw stones at this house that I'm building that's made of glass? You know what I mean? Like, and I think that that switch has started to happen for me, which feels like it's no longer, I want to say no, or I don't want to do this because it's bad. It's I've got this great thing. Let's, yeah. let's just, let's just keep, you know, let's just keep going this way, which is just awesome. Yeah. And those, those other things don't fit into that forward momentum. So why do it, you know? And I think that's, that's a great point. And you know what, I want to be really cognizant of your time. So we've done a little over an hour, man. So I think today, this is, I think this is really adequate for today, man. So like, I, um, I definitely want to keep this as an ongoing conversation. I think we should do this like annually, man. Like I really want to yeah. be tuned into your journey and, um, all the things you're getting into, you know? Um, but, uh, other than that, I'm going to go ahead and just like stop, hit the stop on the record right now.